This podcast was created using Anchor. Inside <laughs> baseball, babe. Hey, everyone. We're back. We're back. Season two. We know you've been clamoring. We've gotten a lot of emails, Marco Polo's, phone calls asking, when are you guys coming back? Are you coming back? Was that just a fluke? You know, Was do that you a 20-episode fluke? Yeah, because, well, but you never know. We may have just wanted to do it. You know, just to get get everything off our minds, and now we're done with it. But no, no, no such we're luck. We're not done. We we're, still have more to say. Season two, <laughs> new and improved. But why I was laughing is because we did this exact same show yesterday. Well, not the exact same show. No, it'll no be two a shows different. What I love most about rivers is you can't step in the same river <laughs> twice. <laughs> Every show's different. That's what live podcasting is all about, babe. Right. But we were in my closet yesterday doing this you for You mean in our, in our soundproof booth. Mm-hmm. And um, David didn't understand the new update on GarageBand, so it only recorded mono something. It recorded on everything like on the left side of your ear. So if you had been listening to what we recorded yesterday, you'd You would only hear it in one ear. ear pod or AirPod. Yeah. Um, and so then we had to trash two hours of work <laughs> and uh, come back today and do it. So here we are. And I'm so happy to be here. I'm so thankful that I still have you guys as listeners. You um, have been really faithful fans. And we just had to bring you season two. We just season had two. to. And we had to improve on season two. We had to go back to the drawing board and say, how can we stay true to the theme of the swirl yes. and carry that theme throughout every episode of season two? And also, we're going to do less episodes of season two, yes. but they're going to be more focused on specific ideas related to the swirl. Because this is the swirl with Bree and Dave. Amen. And I'm Dave. And I'm Bree. Sorry, we usually do that at the top, but we're feeling it out. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so this week, because, babe, what's this week? This week is... Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. And we have plans, don't we? We do. We are going, everyone, to Ruth Chris Steakhouse, <laughs> which is 
so basic, but it's it's like my favorite steak. Um, we're not eating steak, but we're not eating steak, yeah. which is the that's the twist on it <laughs> for this year. So the theme this week is love. love because it's Valentine's Day and because we're starting a new season of love. Yes. Um, so so we've got a very special guest with us today. Very excited about and it. And we're going to make sure that all of our themes, because what we found last season was that you couldn't listen to an episode like just like one episode just out because we didn't reintroduce ourselves and we didn't introduce things through our specific prism. So this season we'll be doing very specific topics, but like putting them through the filter of our relationship, race, interracial love, those things. So uh, so this week will be about interracial love. And um, we probably will be having more guests this season. Definitely. They probably will be connected to our Broadway community because that that's where we operate, but we, but won't, we won't really be, be... We won't be speaking to them about their careers or, you know, what it was like working with Patti Lapone. I mean, that stuff is cool, but I'd rather talk to my friends about real life things that are happening because, honestly, nobody's working right now. I mean, of course, there are people doing, you know, I'm doing online things and online concerts, whatever, but there's nothing really to say right now. I'd, I'd much rather hear what artists have to think about life and pivoting and love and, you know, just topics that are not related to theater. So I think that'll be exciting, right? It's going to be great. Yes. Oh, and we, we're going to we're gonna hold on to some tried and true yes. segments, maybe uh, back off on a couple of less popular ones. So we're, you know, we're, we're, we're evolving, we're changing, we're growing, kind of like every relationship that stays healthy. So true. So what do we want to, we want to just update the kids on what we've been up to? Let's, let's, let's update the kids on what we've been up to. So since the, we, our last episode was at the end of 2020, Oh, right? that reminds me. I have a correction I have to start with. Correction. I know your father. At the end of season one, we said we'd be back in January. And I looked back on that and realized that that was actually a folly. There was no way we were going to no. be back in January. No, 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 no. I needed a break. Um, and I wanted to get through the holidays because the holidays for me, I know the holidays for all of us is like Thanksgiving into Hanukkah, into Christmas, into New Year's Eve. And then if you add me on, I've got to get another week through to my birthday. So um, it was a long period of time. And I didn't want to feel any pressure after that. Um, and then, the excuse me, we started, what did we do? Oh, the day after my birthday, we yeah. started a raw vegan cleanse for one full month and we could not do a podcast while we were raw vegan we couldn't even think straight it was it was a full it was a full-time job it was a full-time job becoming thinner so um and we've succeeded we've succeeded david is how many pounds lighter i'm 20 pounds down and in true uh woman fashion with hormones i am 12 pounds down but i will take it um, but we've gone, we went a month, like three meals a day, uh, first juicing, week. salads, yeah. Nut, n- no meat, no, nothing cooked. Nothing um, cooked. So we were eating things like cashew burgers and nut sushi and lots of, lots of avocado. Lots of avocado, lots of juicing. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. And after, I mean, I felt great the first week. The second week was a liquid cleanse week. And it had some solids, it had fruit salads, whatever, it had regular salads. But then 
um, it gears up for this day in the middle where you have only water. So on either side of that day, you have only liquids. So those three days were really difficult. But um, after that, it was pretty great. Yeah, the raw vegan thing means that uh, you're actually never really hungry because just yeah. the way it fills you up, nothing's been cooked away. No nutrients or enzymes have been cooked away. So you actually are surprisingly satisfied mm -hmm. with very little all the time. And that's really revelatory when you're, you know, when you're kind of oriented to thinking, what meat am I going to have with this meal three times a day plus snacks? Yeah. And I don't really think like that, but David really does. So it was, but however, he's done this cleanse before. He did it while I was on tour with falsettos and he also lost a lot of weight then, I think 25 pounds. Yeah. Um, and in that long of a period, in only a month. So, you know, our bodies have kind of plateaued, which I'm grateful for because it means that our bodies are catching up and it means I think less of a chance of putting it all back on. Um, I've been plateaued at 12 pounds for, I think like two to three weeks now. Um, we did a little damage on the Super Bowl. We let ourselves, the Super Bowl was our, um, celebration for getting through a month and we didn't really need to celebrate, but we did. And we did a vegan Super Bowl. Um, and so we let ourselves have, what was it? Tutti Fruity Tutti Tutti? Yeah, it was called Tutti Fruity Tutti Tutti. <laughs> Um, still working out what exactly that is. It's we the had, vegan sour cream. Oh, we had oh to oh tofuti. Tofuti, that's it. Uh, yes, we had tofuti, some of that. Well, we, veganaise, fake wings, beyond beef. They were all things that are heavily processed that we hadn't had in a month. And um wow, didn't go so well, especially yeah. for David. Yeah, so. physically didn't have the best couple days <laughs> after that. But and but we, also gorged myself like an idiot. Of course, on all of that. Oh Plus, God. we had some actually healthy vegan snacks. Like, we just made, you know, guacamole and we made hum fresh hummus. And, you know, Brandon and Maddie came over and Brandon had made this beautiful sourdough bread. And we, you know, ate that. And I mean, so that stuff was healthy. That was sort of phase one. But then we went into phase two during the game, which and was... David lost himself. But I think it was because the Chiefs were losing so terribly. And we just, we lost our minds. I mean, what else could we do? Right. Really had no choice. We had no choice but to just try to feel worse. Yeah. So, and Once... then the alarm was going off in our building. And oh, yeah, that was really weird, that too. That was terrible. So we all just felt crazy. It was a lot. Um, so, so we all put on three pounds. So, yeah, David and I both put on three pounds just from that night. But it's, but it's a week later, and I've taken it back off, so I'm fine. And I've almost taken it back off. Well, you've got one more day. You know, I just need one good excavation. Okay, we're gonna um, have we're gonna have a very healthy experience at Ruth's Chris tomorrow night. Yes, we're not eating steak. We're eating. F I actually have been gearing up to eat fish because I said I was going to be a plant based girl, but with fish. Because come on now, um, so I actually feel fine not eating meat. Um, I feel tighter. I feel more like. Less jiggly. I feel like less a... jiggly. Less jiggly. Less jiggly. Less jiggly. Hey, so that's how I feel, and I've lost my thought. Um, so there we go. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was Not just even feeling a good you. Song. I was feeling you though. I really was. You're talking about Ruth's Chris, and you're going to um, yeah. I'm gonna have fish. Be a and fish vegetables. girl. You're gonna be vegan and fish. Yeah, and of course a potato because it's Ruth Chris. 
Well, and also potatoes are, you know. They, they are a whole food. They come from the earth. Very starchy. Palm de terre, if you will. Wow. Apple of the earth and Gosh, you are so classy. I'm very classy. Yesterday I played the violin for an hour just to to get my brain going again, my fingers moving. Well, there's a reason for the violin, babe. There is a... Yeah, I'm not just doing it for fun, although it was really fun. Um, I used to play the violin in the... From the seventh grade... No, no, no. From the fifth grade until I was like... 16. Um, and I was very good actually. And I put it down and I may have an opportunity to be playing it again on Broadway soon. So I was like, let me just pull it out and start practicing again. And so that was really, really fun because I got my old Suzuki method book out and started doing drills and scales and kind of just like figuring out how far behind I was. It's pretty far behind, but not terrible, not terrible. Well, I just love the story about, we, I guess we won't talk about people, places, or things, or what it's going to be, but I love the, the 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 story about how you had you were in this workshop, and you decided that you wanted to have your character play the violin, and the director said to you, oh, so this way, I won't be able to cast it without you, and yeah. you said yes. It's true. We can't tell you anything about it, really, but... I'm going to be fiddling, hopefully, if everything works out. It's all going to work out, babe. Everything's going to work out. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Go um, get vaccinated, everybody. All right. So uh, new year, new season. We want to get to our special guest interview. So we're going we're gonna to dive right in. Yes. To This Week in Gaggery. Your favorite. Gaggery's back, babe. All right. What do you? What's your week, babe? Okay. You want me to go first? Yes, please. Okay. So this is connected to the the vegan cleanse that we've been talking about, um, and and I, I'll try to get through this really fast. But boy, was I gagged by this one. I'm getting the signal from. I'm getting the time signal. Well, because I know you can be long winded. Um, <laughs> so when I was a child, <laughs> here we go. Back in Cincinnati in the '60s, this and is this is true. No, this is true. I I uh, I oh, had okay, this yes. I had this aversion to cooked green vegetables. And the story I told myself was my mom made these uh, bird's eye frozen vegetables boil in a bag and they tasted like slop and I couldn't eat them. And my dad, who was this military rage addict, dry drunk uh, veteran guy at the time, um, he evolved over time. But at that time, he got so irritated that he would beat the hell out of me if I wouldn't eat my vegetables. So the story in my brain was I developed this aversion to anything cooked or green Mm -hmm. over that childhood traumatic experience. Experience. Right. So that if I'm in the presence of cooked green um, broccoli, uh, especially Brussels sprouts, uh, cauliflower, um, I, 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 uh, I, I feel like I'm going to die. It's, it feels like a fight or flight thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a story I've told myself my whole life. Now, some vegetables I've been able to eat along the way, but not really ultimately any of those three or four big ones. Plus, you have to add cilantro to that because I'm one of those people who taste cilantro as soap flakes. Um, but so then one happened? day, well, then one day we were doing this raw vegan cleanse and on the raw vegan cleanse is bok choy raw, which you dip into guacamole, which I really was enjoying. But you decided, my beautiful wife decided one day she's going to steam the bok choy after we get through the raw vegan part and the smell in the apartment is so overpoweringly uh deathly for me that i'm i'm laying on the couch in my office unable to function it's that bad 
And I didn't know that didn't know this was a bok choy problem. Dramatic. And it occurred to me, I can't be the only person who is smelling this like it was like a plate of shit just pressed into my face. So what'd you do, babe? I googled bok choy plus a smell aversion. And babe, up popped a whole bunch of stuff about this phenomenon for one out of five human beings called being a super taster. Mm-hmm. Now, a super taster is someone who has developed or has a developed sense of taste that is created to protect some people from from being poisoned, from the sense of arsenic, um, and creates a sulfurous um, reaction inside the olfactory senses of the person who suffers from this or who benefits from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is of an important person in any herd because they're the person who's protecting people from poisoning the tribe or, or you know, poisoning the, the, the themselves. So I have this and apparently um, it, it, it makes you feel like you're like, you know, like you're going to die. Um, and so I, then there's three levels of this. You can be a super taster, which I am, a medium taster, which a lot of people are, and then a no taster. And if you are a no taster, you can, um, that's, those are the people who really enjoy a lot of spice, a lot of flavor, like just overpower me with hotness or whatever, because I'm just trying to get a sensation of flavor and taste. Um, and those are, I guess, the lucky ones. And and people who can like, who can eat these cruciferous vegetables when they're cooked are fall fall in that category. Now, this was a revelation to me at my age to to realize that I haven't been crazy. I didn't just make it up. It's not psychosomatic. Mm-hmm. Um, it is an actual real thing. It didn't change it. It didn't mean that suddenly like I could be in the room with cooked bok choy and not want to die. But at least it made me feel like. You know, justified in having that reaction. Like, that is an actual thing. Thank God for the internet. And I share this with you because that was a gaggery about gaggery that uh, I didn't see coming. (laughs) And that's my story. That was pretty good, babe. How concise was that? It was okay. That was about four minutes. I'll take it. Um, My, can I move on to mine? Yes, absolutely. My This Week in Gaggery is my friend and sister. Um, Tori Newman. Tori. Now, a lot of people don't, uh, some of you might know Tori. She was at our wedding. Um, others may not, but she is a girl that I was roommates with in my junior year in college. She was, um, older than me. So we only lived together for one full year and then she left me. Um, but we've made, we've stayed friends, um, this, since college. God, we graduated in 07, so. A while. And um, she's just become one of my closest friends. And for the last two years, she's been working on a novel. And in the last year, it kind of, well, really, actually, it's kind of longer than that. But in the last year and a half or so, she's had an agent. And we've known a little bit of what was going on. We knew she was in note sessions. We knew she was, you know, rewriting and holed up in her apartment, just really going for it. And recently, a press release came out. Um, that's, that's read like former flight attendants pen seven figure deal for two, two or two novel book deal. And I was like, uh, oh, <laughs> and I looked at David and I was like, babe, seven figures means 
Millions. That's millions, babe. That's millions. And yeah. And that's... not just any, uh, you know, deal, publishing house, Simon no. & Schuster. Simon & Schuster, people. So this is like, this is such a gaggery because this is, you know, we all have friends who do things that we're all proud of and we do things oh ourselves. Oh my God, yeah. But this I, this was the biggest thing that ever happened to this any is, of our friends. It's This it's, is bigger than a Tony Award, people. It, it's I mean, we, we I all, hate to say it. you know, the dream, the American dream of writing the great American novel and selling it. I mean, our friend just fucking did that. She was a, uh, she, 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 well, so you she tell was, the story. Of she was a, she was, she came to New York with all of us. I mean, I actually got here after her, but we all were here together and she, everyone was trying to be an actor. Right. And she used to sell books in New York City. And now she's got this deal. Um, she eventually joined the family business, went, went to being a flight attendant uh, for Virgin America. And then a Virgin America got bought by Alaska Airlines. And she was a flight attendant for 10 years. Um, basically got an idea on her, like, red eyes from New York to L.A. She's in Arizona, based in Arizona. But she would be on these long hauls. And she got an idea to write a novel. And I'm going to read this little thing blurb to you. You just boarded a flight to New York. There are 143 other passengers on board. What you don't know is that 30 minutes before the flight, your pilot's family was kidnapped. For his family to live, everyone on your plane must die. The only way the family will survive is if the pilot follows his orders and crashes the plane. Enjoy the flight. This book is called Falling. It's called Falling, a novel. By T.J. Newman. Okay? That's the name, T.J. Newman. Na- you can pre-order this at Barnes and Noble, um, IndieBound Bookshop, Amazon. Mine is ordered on Amazon. It comes out July sixth. I think the hardcover price is twenty-eight bucks. And if you want to, you know, have a proximity to one of my star friends then you should definitely pre-order this book. Again, it's called Falling by T.J. Newman. One of uh, America's newest, most eligible bachelorettes. Oh my God. Yes, honey. And she's beautiful. I mean, that does help. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So she's she's got a, a deal for two books, and she's now starting on the second book. But, you know, when we spoke to her when the pandemic first happened, we would call her at 7 o'clock yeah. so she could hear everyone clapping for the medical frontline right. workers. Right. And we would cry together on the phone, and she would say how she had already been quarantining and was working and staying in her house and not going grocery shopping at all and only seeing family because, you know, it's just a lot going on. And and then I, we'd ask about how the book was going. And, and you know, and would I just, would do something condescending like, you know, Tori, if you need me to give a read, I can always <laughs> happily, I'd be happy to give you notes. And but she was like, we, oh, thanks, right. Dave. That's really, really fun. <laughs> but what we didn't know is that she had already signed that deal and was... <laughs> finishing that book up and was about to start on her second. We didn't know that. She also had volunteered to take a year-long furlough from her job. And we were like, girl, how are you going to survive? And now now we know. And now we know she's fine. She also (laughs) dropped this like a G because... She didn't tell anyone... She didn't tell anyone. She didn't let anybody know. It just came out and we were like, ew. Okay. <laughs> this was Beyonce level droppage. This yes, was... this was a middle of the night <laughs> yeah, this album was... drop, visual album. Was... Like, how dare you? How fucking dare you? Tori, we love you. We're proud of you. You're a queen. And that's This, this Week, week in, in Gaggery. gaggery.
And when we come back, Crystal and Lloyd. Boom, 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 boom. And we're back. And we're back, everybody. So, babe, who's our special guest on this week's love theme? Ooh, okay. So our special guest this week is my Capricorn sister who just happens to be a Broadway star and television star. Her New York credits include Hamlet at the Public, Witness Uganda and Invisible Thread at Second Stage with David. We worked on that together, yeah. Cabin in the Sky at City Center, Paradise Blue, and Heather's The Musical. Her TV credits include Madam Secretary, Lie to Me, and ER. She is a two-time nominated NAACP Image Award for her role as Daisy Lee Forrester on CBS's The Bold and the Beautiful. You will know her from the Broadway hit Dear Evan Hansen as the first and original BBP Black Girl with a backpack. A black Ooh. girl with a backpack. Uh, uh, a black girl yeah. with a backpack. Come on. Alana Beck. Yes. Please welcome to the swirl, Crystal and Lloyd. Hi. Oh my God. Hi. Look who it is. It's me. Oh my God. We're so excited. We're very excited. I just, Thanks. I have to tell you, so I saw your Facebook post. Okay. So first of all, let me tell you about this podcast. So we started this podcast when the George Floyd event happened and all the uh, protests started and we were like, well, we needed to talk about it because we were having issues. Mm -hmm. And when you put your flash forward to when you put your post up, I was like, oh, wow, I would love to have a conversation with her about, you know, whatever you guys end up talking about on Clubhouse, but also just our experience and and the experience that I've, I've talked to a lot of people who've been in longstanding interracial relationships. I mean, much longer than us, like 20 years and, and the conversations that they had to have when everything broke out. Yeah. And um, it was really interesting. Our podcast is kind of centered. It's called The Swirl because it's centered around us in an interracial relationship, yeah. interracial, intergenerational, um, which was cool. But we felt like when we did the first season, which was 20 episodes of just really pandemic, um, we were like, oh, we need to kind of focus in and like figure out and and, and put everything through the prism of race and and, and how we're experiencing that together. Um, now we're assuming that Crystalline is not already a swirl head, but I don't know that that's I'm true. I'm gonna assume that. Are you, an, are, are, are you a listener to the pod, Crystalline? I haven't heard your podcast yet. Oh my God, there's 20 episodes. You're gonna have 20? to, you're gonna have to catch up. It's like you a guys lot, have been you? so busy. We've well, been, yeah, well, it's not so much busy as like, you know, we just haven't had work. No, so, we committed to doing one a week for, you know, and, and we did. We did a pretty good job of it until the end of the year. And then we started We really did. We, were, we actually did. And it was great because we got like this time to just sit in our closet and talk to each other. Yeah. And we talked to each other. We were very big communicators anyway, but like, I don't know. I felt like with the protests, it was like we needed to just, I needed to talk about how I was feeling. Yeah. Because I could not see and communicate with him because I was so sad and angry. Yeah. And it wasn't his fault. Um, <laughs> but I felt 
she would walk through the living room and just kind of say colonizer under her breath it was weird i didn't (laughs) understand it um but i did i had one time where i said to him like we were supposed to see his daughter and her fiance maddie and brandon and i said oh i'm really not feeling seeing maddie and brandon tonight because i just don't want to see more white people hey and he was like i get it he he understood and he actually was going to cancel and then i was like Okay, but see, I gotta get past this because I'm married to you now, and <laughs> yeah. she's my stepdaughter. It's like I that's see. not actually okay to say. Like I, I should have thought about this before. So but at least you were honest. I yes, that was the first step. Like that's let's right. Be honest with how we feel, and it's not going to be something you want to hear. Um, and feelings are neutral things. Like you know, they're they're I'm not they're they're not right or wrong. They just are. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's very. I like. I mean, I've always liked that about you that you're so honest. So I think that that's really, that's a really important step in interracial relationships is the honesty. Number one, probably. Unfiltered. Yeah. 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 And, and I think honesty doesn't have to equate to cruelty either. No. And, and, I, and I think in Brianna's case, she's, she's very practiced at just, you know, standing for herself and not against anyone else and just like, this is my truth. Yeah, and I, yeah. I know you know I, I don't this is not my intention to hurt you with it but it's just my intention to speak it no I'm the same way Brie because I, I remember in the last like couple of years I wanted to get tested for <laughs> for being on the spectrum because I was like <laughs> I, I feel like my my honesty is so sometimes oh, sure. just like it's hard for people to swallow and I'm looking at them like I didn't call you outside of the name your mother gave you like I didn't insult you. I just told you what I needed. Why are you so upset? But this is why I'm so comfortable watching Love on the Spectrum, which is another topic. I loved that show. I Definitely was watched like, Wait, Love on the Spectrum. They did a editing. really good job with Love on the Spectrum too, in terms of editing the stories together and yes, making it pay yes, off emotionally. And you know, a unlike much- Indian matchmaking, exactly. I came. I watched uh, Love on the Spectrum on the heels of watching Indian Matchmaker. Yes. So I was like, too. wow, there's a huge difference in how well these shows turned out. <laughs> yes. But the, it used to be like his daughter said that she was felt very awkward watching Love on the Spectrum just because she felt awkward with people who are really on that spectrum. Yeah. And the, because they are super, super honest, they're mm-hmm. super hyper aware of themselves yeah. and you. And that makes her uncomfortable, which I totally understand. But I was like, oh, this, I'm thriving. Like, I would watch these people all day, every day. Now, I can relate to your daughter, David, because I know that that's one of the things that I was like, yes, with people on the spectrum, that's the thing that makes me, like, I don't want to offend. And I'm like, I know I'm uncomfortable a lot of times when I'm with people, because I'm like, I don't want to say anything wrong. I don't want right. to trigger you. Right. Yeah. So I can I'm, understand the the discomfort of being like like watching these people be so vulnerable. Well, my yeah, my 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 heart would just break, and that was the difficulty for me with love yeah. on the spectrum. I was just my yeah. heart would just break for these people. They wanted um, it so bad. Well, and I, I just and they were we were them. They were us. Like everything yeah. they said. Oh my god, do you remember that metaphor the girl said? She yep. said, "I'm mm. in a clear box." And I can see on the outside, but like no one can see me. Is that what she said? No, and I can't get out. And she I can't, can't get, get out. out. Ooh, that took you out. You cried. I did. 
David. Okay, but this is not what we actually are doing this podcast on. Um, what because, because, okay, because I've worked with and I can I can vouch for her social cues and her ability to connect. <laughs> yes. And yes, uh, she is not as far as, from but my... If you want to get the test, girl, get the, go test. Get the test. But from my I think it was, unprofessional I think it was opinion... I, I think it was because I, I also just watched Amy, Amy, Amy uh, Schumer's special. Oh, and her husband, her husband yes, did was. test on the spectrum. Yeah. Yes. But he was clearly on the spectrum. Um, well, you're very high functioning if you're on the spectrum, Crystal. So. Yes, yes, I, I could be. I could be. Um, so I want. I'm going to read this post that I saw on Facebook on your Facebook for okay. the audience. Okay. Am I the only black woman in my community struggling to date white men? Not that it's required, but I'm no stranger to interracial relationships. Black women are a traumatized gender, and being fetishized is real. So is being training wheels for those obsessed with our culture, history, music, and Lord help me, even oppression. I've been referred to jokingly as a starter chick for white men because of my proximity to whiteness growing up. Lately, I've been longing for familiarity in my romantic relationships, and I'm hesitant to engage in a relationship where I'll have to explain aspects of blackness. I can't be the only one. So I read that dot, dot, dot. So I read that and I was like, ooh, let me see, let me follow this thread and see. And then I wrote a response, which was like two pages long. And I was like, so Rihanna, like, no. <laughs> because that's what you do on Facebook. You write responses. Yeah, that's why I got off Facebook. This. That's you absolutely do. why I left Facebook. That's why I stay on Facebook. <laughs> I'm like, I have to do this on Facebook with my friends and my close family so I don't do it with strangers on Instagram. <laughs> It's the only way I can keep myself from having to like delete a post I feel guilty about later yes, on Instagram. Yes. I'm like, let me just go to Facebook where my community is. So Facebook is like a trash box, really. Um, <laughs> but there's 53. I'm looking at this now. There wasn't this many when I when I first saw it. But there's 53 comments now pre and post Clubhouse. Now, for our listeners who don't know, tell us what Clubhouse is. Yeah, Clubhouse is an app that is invite only and you know you can get up to like three to five invites when you get on and someone will send you you it's it's not as hard to get on but okay um yeah and and you just it's like radio it's like a radio play and you listen to people who are who have created a room who are self-appointed moderators <laughs> and you listen to them discuss anything from you know interracial relationships to the stock market to to i got on dream girls live dream girls live like auditions are happening (laughs) black men with beards there's a one called black men with beards (laughs) and they read they read to you uh, as you fall asleep oh my god that is a niche community and Honey, and I I love stumbling upon my friends, like, in the rooms with me. I'm like, oh, well, hello, Amber, or Kim Exum, or, you know what I mean? I'm like, we're all here listening to black men with beards read us to bed. Oh, my God. Wow. So, (laughs) wow. So, um, so (laughs) wait, are black men without beards, then they need not apply, I assume. I don't know, David. I think it's the honor system. (laughs) All right. I'm a little scared because I know there's somebody in there lying who just wants to like practice. Read. Yeah. And read. He's got no beard. And who has no beard. Wait, wait. You have no beard, sir. 
You have no beard, sir. You have no beard. Yeah. Um, so what, what Crystalline did is she said, let me, because there were so many people commenting. You said, let me go to Clubhouse and host this yeah. room and have this conversation with other Black women. And I don't know if they were just Black women. I don't know anything about it, but I wanted you to tell us about it and tell us Hmm. what you came out of it with. And we can discuss those things and share our experience. But I I just wanted to know how it went because I thought about downloading Clubhouse, but I said, I can't do more social media. So it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a commitment. I don't need another, you know, reason to be on my phone for hours a day. So I get it. We had to let it go, but I want to hear your experience with it. How, you know, how many people were in there ranging women? Give me the gossip. So it was, there were a lot of moderators because I'm new to Clubhouse. Like, I don't really know how it works, Um, but you don't want to have like over five moderators, I assume. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it was nice. I had girls that it was nice because it was also a community of women that I don't normally get to see even like pre-pandemic. And one of them in particular was a girl that I had grown up with in my hometown in spring. Mm. And she had, you know, growing up, she Because when we always love one another. garage band because it's looping through to zoom it's how i do voice and stuff like that and so <laughs> so what you heard was a leftover uh sound bite on my track well it's of me doing great. Uh, what were you doing what was that then we got a little taste it, stuff. It, it was an audition for nick jr oh, all, right. all right to do all like right. i guess like a song to oh be my like God. a singer okay. yeah is it out there? It's Has cute. it been submitted? It was submitted. I was not chosen. Oh. oh. <laughs> sorry, I don't mean to laugh. <laughs> What's funny about that? Nothing <laughs> funny. I'm sorry. That just, <laughs> that was not right. David straight up laughed in my face. <laughs> because, you know, look. The, the fact that she Crystalline. didn't book a job is like hilarious. It is right? hilarious. Why would it's you not book that job? so funny. I said the same thing. I was like, who wouldn't want this? But anyway, sorry. <laughs> Back to the clubhouse. Yeah, <laughs> it was a cute little jingle. But um, so yes, the girl that I grew up with in my hometown, she, her father's like um, a famous uh, ex baseball player. So she, so you know, I w- I looked up to her, and from my view, she was dating white boys and this getting attention. Mm-hmm. Okay. And was getting attention from white boys. And I was like, we don't have the same struggle. You know, she has lighter skin than me. I was like, we don't have the same struggle. And I kind of, uh, the it was wonderful. I wouldn't say like my bubble of was like popped, you know, when I, when she and I got on the clubhouse together and she started revealing that like she had the same struggles I did. Really? And she was feeling the same, you know, she started talking about how she felt growing up in the community and, you know, finding out like, she wasn't dating these white boys. She was in the same boat I was, which was the friends boat. But it looks it didn't look that way. So it was nice to find somebody that I was relating to and having the same similar struggles with. Um that and then it was also cool to see how many 
people were showing up just like listening, popping in and out. Cause we went on for a while. I feel like two hours is a long time. Oh, no, um, great. yeah. And, uh, there were a couple of white men in the room. One got up and was like very effusive. And he was like, thank you so much for having this conversation. He was like, I'm learning a lot. And, you know, I don't remember everything he said, but it was very encouraging. And then, um, yeah, so it, it, it got very, uh, intimate, which I liked. So like we, we just got very honest. Yeah. And, um, I mean, and I would like to ask you because, you know, please, our listeners know you from Broadway, but we're not really going to talk about Broadway, or, no. you know, because who cares really? There is none. Uh, we're all, I mean, well, I do. That would be I love- my preference. <laughs> you would love to just talk to you about shows. And I really would. And that I'm would like, be me, but not. it's fine. It's really not um, about that. Know, like your struggles, like, and, and I also will say when I was, I did, I grew up in Kansas city, like middle-class went to private, a private Catholic school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I had a very black family, have a very black family that was very much like, we don't see you ever dating a white man. We see mm. you a brown skin man. And they would always specify it based on my skin color. Like, <laughs> cause I was a brown skin girl. So they'd be like, you need to be with a brown skin man. So light skin was like kind of questionable and a dark guys, like I dated an African guy for seven years and they were like, not into it at first because of their own ideas of African men. Right. So I dated white, I started dating white boys as like you're saying in this friend thing. Yeah. In like the seventh and eighth grade, which, you know, you weren't really doing much. You were like going to the movies, whatever. It's not a big deal. So they, they were Funny, funny white guys were like my top friends. Yeah. Um, and I dated one and then I didn't date another one until God, I think college, I think like senior year of high school into college. Yeah. And then when I became sexually active around 1920, it was, I thought you were going to say around the time you and I started dating. So. <laughs> that would have been great too. I would have that appreciated would have been amazing. it. <laughs> not the truth. I know. So the I, I started not dating white boys, but just like, honestly, just sleeping with them. Sleeping with um, them. And it wasn't that I didn't want to date them. It's just, I had a weird feeling like we didn't, we just didn't go together to be mm. honest. And I think it's because my family had made it seem like that was not something they saw for me. Mm. Um, and they really encouraged me to date black men and I love black men. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. And then, but I always vibed with white boys mm-hmm. anyway. And it wasn't until David that I was like, okay, I could see this being long-term and I'm still learning as we go along, but I never felt, I know this idea of fetishizing came up because uh, that's a thing with black women. That's a thing with all women, I think. But um, when you get over-sexualized in the media, um, it becomes, I want to date her because she's a black girl with that kind of body and I want to experience that or those kind of lips or whatever. Yeah. And I've, I wanted to talk to you more about that idea and mm-hmm. what your struggles were dealing with that when you first dated white guys. Yeah, I think my experience in 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 the in the category of being fetishized, I 
became very aware of it more so in my late 20s mm-hmm. because I wasn't dating. I wasn't dating in high school. Yeah. Much to my parents' uh, sadness. And, really? Oh, they wanted me to be girly and like date and boys. And I was like, boys scare me. Oh. I was terrified of boys. And so wow. I had lots of guy friends and yeah. a lot of them were white. My guy friends tended, white guy friends tended to be athletes. Mm. And where'd you grow up again? Houston. Well, a city outside of Houston called Spring. Okay. Spring, Texas. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So... Texas I, boys. Okay. I know. Texas boys. <laughs> but I was like an athlete, you know, before yeah. I decided to do acting. And so I just, they were just in my circle. Mm-hmm. And then they were usually like very Christian. Mm. So, you know. Uh, so, um, okay. Yeah. So I wasn't, I don't, if I was fetishized at that age, I was not aware of it. Yeah. I certainly didn't have a language for it, but yeah. I knew that that existed. Mm-hmm. I remember having a conversation with my mom and my dad's sister, my aunt, uh, before I went off to high school. And, you know, I mentioned this in the clubhouse. They sat me down and they were like, look, you're not going to date the way your brothers did. Black men having interracial relationships for some reason is just less scary for white parents. Um, mm-hmm. It's just more common. And they were <laughs> like, the, and they're the boys. They're like, boys ask out and girls say yes or no. Girls right. have to like wait. Right. And so they were like, you're probably not going to date like your brothers did. And it's not because there's anything wrong with you. It's not because you're not pretty. It's because there's something wrong with society. Mm. It's because these white boys can't bring home a black girlfriend. Like their parents just aren't going to go for it. And so uh, I really appreciated the talk. And also like, because it did prep me. I had a lot of um, like fun guy friend relationships in church and stuff like that. But I carried so many crushes. Brianna and David, I was so boy crazy. Wow. But that's so funny because you were so scared of them before. I know, but it was safer to daydream about them than it was to actually interact mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. Aww. Oh, it was so much safer. It was just, oh my God. That's I, know what, I know what I'm going to say. I never say anything wrong in my daydreams. Like I'm totally cool all the time. I have the best sense of humor. So I was really satisfied with what my therapist would call like erotic fantasy. Like you just, you're, you just like, you're, you're like living relationships in your head yeah so when i got to like my mid-20s and i was done with missionary work and i was like in la i was like i need to like start dating so <laughs> around like 25 I started, you were working on a soap opera at this point i had you? booked the soap opera and my coast i won't go into that but the okay. point is <laughs> i was like oh i should start dating and so i started dating this white guy and he was my first experience dating a white guy and we had known each other for like six years Mm -hmm. so i had a friendship with him but i still noticed ways like looking back in which i was fetishized like the idea of being black and the idea of being a black woman with like a big butt and like had my black friends and like Mm -hmm. uh the kind of music i my black friends and i listened to like and I don't blame him. Like black culture is lit. Like yeah. this, this shit is dope. Um, and I, you know, I think, um, I think what I noticed is that behavior from like in the dating world, like ghosting and um, where guys play hard to get or they string you along. Mm-hmm. It feels, it felt different from a white guy. 
than it did coming from a black man. I'm not saying it's worse. I'm not saying it's better, but I had different, I had like different internal struggles when that happened. Right. Like, I feel like, and I know, think what you think of slave play, but there were moments in that play that really resonated. Um, what our, what we do is connected to very old stuff that was set back yeah. in those days. Yeah. And, you know, that idea of sleeping around with the slave girl. Right. I Oof. mean, or, you know, getting in bed with the master, like that's all really warped mm-hmm. and things that I do not want to explore in 2021. Like I don't want to unwrap those things because yeah. I've done a really good job of distancing that. That is something that happened back then, but it does affect our the way we are and mm-hmm. how we react to things. And I felt the same way when I was a kid. And I this feels weird to say, but I always felt like, was I good enough to date a white guy? And that's a very warped way of thinking, mm-hmm. but it's the way it was set up in my mind and what I observed. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother, I found out much later that my mother had like dated white men and she was attracted to like white Hollywood guys. Yeah. Like, she loved Ed Harris. She loved Tommy Lee Jones, like <laughs> an old, like, you know, not old, but like salt and pepper man. Yeah. She likes a mature. Yes. But like, <laughs> she would only tell me that <laughs> by, okay. she would only tell me that. Like mother, like daughter. <laughs> I know that's what you But like yeah, she okay. would not share that with her sisters. So my yeah. aunts never they knew like she had dated white guys, but she she was like, No, I'm not gonna in that generation mm-hmm. it was like I'm not gonna stir things up by No, doing- my mother my mother never I was almost said fucked. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, yes. this is- my, my mother didn't fuck with white man. Like ever. Ever. No. And we they grew up in Beaumont, Texas. Like it's not safe. Right. Yeah. White people wow. were not safe. That's the right. thing my grandmother has like reminded me of my dad's mother, who's <clears throat> 92, 93. She's like white proximity to whiteness equaled danger. Yeah. So it didn't matter what you were doing with a white person. Like it equaled danger for you because the it could turn on a dime. Yeah. And your word meant nothing compared to theirs or anyone else's who's white. So if someone else don't like you being with a white right. person and they raise hell, you're at the mercy of that white person, not the one you're with. So I actually felt like I wasn't good enough for white guys and like I wasn't black enough for black guys. Well, I definitely felt that girl. Come on. But I don't never. you feel, this is something I was talking about with my Marco Polo girls, which is like Christina Saju, hey. Steph Umo, and Rashidra Scott. Okay. We were because when I when I saw your Facebook, I was like, you guys, let's talk about this on our forum of just the safe four people. Yes. And we talked about the fetish thing. Mm-hmm. And Steph was like, yeah, but I've been fetishized by black men because they want to date a, a mixed girl. Mm-hmm. So that's like their thing is dating a girl with a certain type of hair and a light yeah. skin and whatever. And and then she was like, what about the fetishizing of of that that black men do to our own women for sure um and we talked about just like the music influence rap music Mm -hmm. and this devaluing of black women that's just happened for so many years um 
and it sells so people listen but it, which is we, so funny because it does devalue women but at the same time i felt like because i wasn't fitting into that hip-hop culture the rap culture that it didn't apply. the way that i talked i felt like I wasn't good enough for that culture. Does that make sense? Even though it's, even though it devalues women, I'm sitting there like, oh, well, they're not going to want me. I'm not a bad bitch. Like, I'm not yes. walking around. I'm not walking around looking like an Instagram person every day, mm -hmm. an influencer. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, I just, I'm yeah. I'm not a video ho. You're I mean, not, yeah. I, and I feel the same way. I felt like, Kind of ridiculed because i i spoke a certain mm -hmm. way and it was honestly how my mother spoke but mm -hmm. <laughs> but she also was made fun of by sometimes people in my family oh so yeah like you know and that got really old and it i've unpacked it now in my 30s like that really hurt mm -hmm. because it felt like you weren't enough you needed to be more lax with your vowels and your consonants you need to be more have more slang so i totally can relate to that yeah um but yeah. i wanted to date black guys like yeah, me too. there were some black guys in my high school okay. fine as hell <laughs> one of them asked me to was it homecoming and he had this big old tattoo on his back and he played football my mom was like you should date him i was like he's not a good kisser <laughs> He kissed, me. Like, he kissed me once and she was like, how was it? I was like, oh. but the black guys in my school were very attractive and there was only a handful of us to begin with. I went to a school of like 4,000. Mm -hmm. So my graduating class was like 960 kids or something like that. And so when I got to college, I was used to a school that size and Carnegie was about the same size, but all the black people were in spirit, which was the African-American like, you know, group on campus. Mm -hmm. And there weren't really a lot of black people or straight black guys um, in the theater program. So I was just kind of hanging out with, you know, guys who were gay, love you. But like, there was no dating happening for yes. me in that in that world. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so and then the white guys, you know, I experienced fetishizing from white guys in college as well. One guy, I remember he told me he was like, man, you got some good DSLs. And I didn't know what that was. Oh my God. I remember when someone said that to me for the first time. It was a white woman, actually. Oh. Marlene. I'm trying to work out what DSL is over here. Dick sucking lips. Oh was, Lord. I'll say it. Yeah, he told me I, had, he's, I said, oh. what does that mean? He goes, dick sucking lips. I said, don't you ever call me that ever again. I was like, that's not so a compliment. Disgusting. That's not a compliment. Like your penis makes me want to throw up. That's too much information for you guys, but that's how I felt. <laughs> Especially after a comment like that, of course Especially. you <clears throat> um, Yeah. But yeah, so I, I tried to date a white guy like literally the end of college and you know, we were friends, so it felt safe, but it just wasn't like meant to be. And then, yeah, I tried like this white guy. I tried, I dated this white <laughs> guy. <laughs> I sampled him. I sampled this white, I dated this white guy that I was telling you about. And after him, I was a little like, scared i was like oh white guys are white guys i don't know i don't know i was like it made me feel different to get dumped by a white guy than it did a black guy i think i don't know because so of the because of the relationship that is rooted in this idea of power and uh wanting and needing to be accepted by them and you know now how much of that is your own thing and oh. i think i think definitely the power dynamic is real Yes, yes. And I don't, I'm not really aware of it. 
well, actually, no, I'm reminded of it every day. Like if, if we go anywhere, I, just by the way David is, you're amazing, but you walk around like, yes, this is mine. Well, that's yeah. one of the things that we talked about in the clubhouse was uh-huh. one of my friends was very honest in the Facebook response, but she said, um, the thing that attracted me most to white men was their ability to walk around the world uh, mm. as though they own it. She was like, that was sexy, this, how they, how they walked wow. around in the world. And wow. I was like, yeah, that's a huge draw because there's a freedom. There isn't, you know, this constant, like looking over your shoulder. You're not worried yeah. about people following you in a store. Like you, it's so when you're interacting with a white man, I find when I date a white man, they have like their cares are just, yeah, you know, and yes. I'm like, and then dating black men, I find that there's so much to like, so that. That's, you know, that's just like you said, there's stuff in me, you know, that has either hindered me or helped me in my life. Mm-hmm. And I do think that, you know, as I'm growing as a black woman and learning more about who I am, I'm finding that there are ways in which I have to deconstruct what yes. what I built up yes. first off. Yes. And um, and I find that that is if I'm being honest, one of the reasons why I'm like, I think I just want to date men of my, of my race right now. Like, I feel like that's what my soul is longing for. Um, in I my mean, and I so. think love is love. Like, yeah, feel whatever you feel is like, looks good to you right now. You should do. I think in my own experience, especially last summer, it, it allowed me to have to turn a mirror on myself and go, what is it within me? Yeah. Why am I so angry? And why can I not express it to, to David? And, and what you said about deconstruction is so right on it. We have to go in and rewire the mm-hmm. way we've grown up because no matter how much we've tried not to, we've internalized that yeah. to be the system. And it took a minute and it took a lot of self it took a lot of vulnerability to be honest. True. And that is uncomfortable. Um, and it's really uncomfortable when you're doing it with someone who you think might not understand your experience. Right. Mm-hmm. But isn't that the case with any relationship? It will always, you will always have to open yourself up yeah, and expose things. Yeah. But it's less scary when it's someone who shares your life experience, right? That's that's what it seems like. That's what it feels because you know yeah, I can only I go that. off of my experience, which is when I date black men, there's there's this thing we don't have to talk about, and because I'm more of a feminist than I think my mother, or my grandmother. Mm-hmm. I also my mom's like you're looking for a very specific type of man that they don't. There's not a ton of them. And so yes. I'm like, yes, when I, you know, I've dated men who are feminists and who are black and it was so rewarding because I didn't have to explain certain aspects of being a woman. And then there were certain conversations I didn't have to have about my, my hair, my race. And one of the things that was said in the thread was some of the women felt like having to constantly explain to your partner racial dynamics and certain things about being a black woman gets unsexy. Start to feel like a teacher and a mother, mm-hmm. and it's a turn off. The idea of not having to explain my bonnet or X, Y, and Z, or you know what I mean, like. So I thought that that was very interesting as well. That like 
That's interesting because David and I, when we were thinking about our interview today, we talked about this at the, at the table and you said a really good point, babe, when you were talking about, um, well, you asked me about fetishization, I think. Yeah. And, and you said you've never, he, he never, it was never sexual. Uh, well, my, my fetishization, if it can be said to be that with black women, I, I, I've, I mean, I had to really wrestle with this question myself, but what I really came to was, it was not about physical attributes that I was fetishizing. Fetishizing. It was about emotional attributes that had been cultivated out of a particular type of collective experience where, um, because there'd been so much oppression and pain on a daily basis to have to contend with as a black person, as a black woman, especially, that, uh, that, the result was that the women that I met who were black tended to have values that comported better with mine. They tended to prioritize things in a way that comported with my with 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 my priorities. They didn't get bogged down in a lot of stupid shit. And yeah, you're a grown up. Yeah, you're a grown up, David. And my I've, my black but my black girlfriends told me this one day. They said, "Crystal and black women are for grown ups." Wow, that is Absolutely. beautifully said. And I like. Yeah. And that's what that's so for me. And that actually does become sexy. So, you know, when I'm with a when I'm with a grown up, like with a woman who, you know, doesn't get bogged down in the fact that I forgot that, you know, last Thursday was, um, you know, Arbor Day and we were supposed to, you know, what I mean, it's like it doesn't fucking matter. And, and you're not getting lost in the minutia of details and stupidity. And, you know, with Brianna, every conversation we ever had was, you know, the, the, whether it was fun and funny or whether it was deep and probing, there was never any emotional baggage on top of it. And there was never mm. any, there was never any trivia on top of it that got yeah. in the way. And we could discuss trivial things, mm -hmm. but it it was, and, and not just, I mean, so that was my experience of, of black women and why I preferred ultimately, like I definitely, by the time I was, I, I met Brianna, I was definitely, I, I preferred the company of black women, mm -hmm. but it, and, and, but again, it wasn't that I didn't find that, that some women, some black women who had fuller lips, that their fuller lips were not attractive. I do also find that attractive. Sure. So I can't say that there's like no physical component to some of it, but I mm -hmm. also don't find that, I don't find all women of any you know of any race to be yeah. all one thing anyway yeah so so ultimately it's not for me it was never about a particular physical attribute that i uh, ascribed to anyone in particular because i mm -hmm. actually don't do that as i mm -hmm. don't think that i don't find that to be true i mean if i if i looked at all of the black women that i know and all the black women who are in motown and all the black women who are in invisible thread and all the black women and all the shit they they all look different to me they all are their own individual physical attributes so for me the one thing that binded them was their value system mm -hmm. and what they what they prioritized what they found important and what they found unimportant and that was what was attracted to me and i think that that's very rare and wonderful you know yes. that you can look back know. and you can look back at least in the last decade and be like and, and and are able to say you know i have i have as a white man you know not fetishized black women that's that's or or women in general that's that's great to be able to say that i mean i don't think a lot of i remember i went home one time 
and I was talking to this guy online from a dating app and we had gone to high school together mm. and he said something like, yeah, I'm really into black girls now. I wasn't in high school. And I was like, I'm not having sex with you. <laughs> Did you <laughs> like say I that to him out loud? Yes. I didn't say it out loud. I typed it. I was like, I'm not having sex with you. Um, and what, what was his response? Just curious. You know, he, he like, he was persistent, but like, he was persistent. But the point being is like, that's a fetishization. But, but, but. But I might have said to you very innocently, you know, if it had been me at the time, I would have said, you know, I'm, I'm really finding I'm into black girls now. I, I, it wasn't to the exclusion of other types of women or any other possibilities. I think for me, it's also the idea that like, what was wrong with us before? Oh, oh I see. Yeah, well, I never. That's I, what I'm, but, but then how can you say black women are for grownups? I mean, maybe he's a grownup now. Maybe he understands he wants something more complicated. But I, yeah, you, you didn't perceive that it had anything to do with any, right, any right. deeper emotional connection. No, absolutely yeah. not. And not. I think it also would have been phrased differently. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no yeah. self-aware man who. Yeah, no, that's true. A woman would have ever said like, no, that's I true. I'm in high school, black. but I'm now into I, the black girls. Now, yeah. I might have said you've got great DSL, but other than that, <laughs> I probably no, no. You, got a, you would have gotten a swift block. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> no, I would known better i think i think if i had if i had come to that conscious conclusion you know in, in a way that i wanted to articulate it i would yeah. have articulated it by saying this is what i find about black women exactly and their, yeah. and their, and their values yeah. and because there's a consciousness and a self-awareness to black women it's like james baldwin says like you can't mm -hmm. be a conscious like black person in america and not enrage almost all the time and i think right. a lot of black women because they've experienced gender and racial that they have they are walking around with the self-awareness so that doesn't mean that there's insecurities and toxicity that they need to work out and yeah. and therapy on top of it but there is a self-awareness so it makes sense that you know black women are for grown-ups and that you know men who mature might might find themselves less intimidated because i find that that's a lot of the reasons why you know men the response I got growing up was you're so intimidating, which obviously it should have been rephrased. I'm intimidated by you because yes. I was not intimidating. No, that's right. <laughs> humans are just, we're just so wacky. Like humans are so weird. I have been marveling over us for like the past two or three days. I'll just like, I watched this, I watched this documentary on meditation today and sure. it was wacky. <laughs> And I just was sitting there in my living room standing, watching it. I'm like, humans are so weird. Like the way we congregate into these groups and into these systems and into these communities where we are felt seen, where we are felt heard, where we can see ourselves reflected back, mirrors and windows. Those are both very important. And it's just wild the things that bring us together. So, yes, I would love to to get to the point where it's like our skin color doesn't bring us together because the oppression of skin color doesn't exist. Yeah. You know, but because of the fact that there are still white people walking around going, oh, racism isn't real or capitalism doesn't, you know, hurt black people. I'm like, it's going to be a long time. <laughs> that white girl yeah. accent is on point. Well, you know, really? I've had a lot of practice. You really? It's very convincing. Thank very you. sexy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can make it a little drier if you like. <laughs> oh, it's Ew. a little vocal fry. I'm going to. A bother. little bit of vocal fry. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Really amazing.
Oh, you should God. definitely get those jobs on Nick Jr. doing, you know, voiceovers. So we'll get a job. <laughs> but no, they won't give you the job of the white girl because then it'll be like reverse racism. Reverse there's racism. no such thing, people. I will be the first no, one in the room great. No such to thing, tell them there's no such fucking Republican thing. Republican will go. I don't care. This is bullshit. I would <laughs> listen. Uh, Hank is what was his name? Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria do it doing the Simpson voice, and everybody gave him shit. Yeah. I I I I hope we get to a point where black people can do voices of anybody. Just like I hope we get to a point where black women can date whoever they want because it's not dangerous and because there's space for it, you know? Um well, I think we're getting there and I think I think that the change I really do think unfortunately we're responsible for literally mankind black women and i just think we are responsible for that too because it it is the change within us Mm -hmm. that allows someone in yeah so that they can then show you know Mm -hmm. and it can bleed out but if we uh, look i also think we need to guard i i was talking to the girls and it was like wow it's really important I found that when I grew up, started to grow up out of college, mm-hmm. it was really important to have black relationships, especially black, black female energy around me. And you know, and, that's something that one of the girls in clubhouse said, was, yeah. you know, she was, she said that she just didn't have, especially during like 2016 and the Trump election. She's like, I had no black girlfriends. She's like, I don't have, I haven't, I didn't have black girlfriends to bounce these things. And it's so yeah. Important. Important. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Just, I don't. Do I mean, it's that idea of mirrors and windows. You you need to be able to get that energy reflected, and it's different. I hate to say it, but it is the energy of four or five black women together is just different than it is than want me with a bunch of white girls. White girls. It is. And um, it doesn't. I'm not saying it's better. I'm just saying there's something like of the earth when I'm with a group of black women no matter what age they are it feeds that puzzle piece of you Mm -hmm. Uh, that's you know that that there's puzzle pieces of us we're not a monolith like we don't all contain the same cutouts but like there is something in us like a deep need to connect with another vagina like a woman who gets a Mm -hmm. woman's experience and then gets it as like gets it in gets it in terms of race and one of the girls that was on the clubhouse she starts telling us about how she was married and into her first year of like they're they're married they they'd known each other for like four months and they got married and it was a white guy and her it was a black girl okay and they're about to have their first kid and they get into a conversation about the civil war and he says something like well it was about states rights oh no and you can't get married and do that she said she was like we almost got divorced she was like i was of course to divorce him at that but, point. But what? She's okay, like, but I, just I have to go it. to the, the 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 root. What's going on? Why are we only dating for four months and marrying someone, and we haven't discussed? I knew you were going to say something about money. that. <laughs> Hello. They were babies, and that's one thing she prefaced. She was like, "We met very young. We fell in love very fast, and we got married very quickly." Now, luckily, she found someone who, when he realized like how wrong he was, she was like, he was on his own doing research doing the work work. and there was another girl who said that about her you know now husband who she was a white guy they went on one date she was like i fell in love and then i got 
drop down the trap door of racism in the second date when he didn't know what blackface was. She was like, you feel like you feel safe. And then all of a sudden this door comes out from underneath you and you're like, oh, wait, I have to explain to you that you might be a bit racist and I've already kissed you. And now I want to like scrape my tongue. But they learned so much. And both of them said the same thing. Like if right now we the best you can do in 2020 and on because so much has been revealed and so many lids have been open she was like you it's easier to spot the right the one on the right side like someone who's yes. on the right side it's so much easier to spot now and it's so much easier That's to true. assess and like and like you know it's hard though because i spend the first date asking questions That's to true. make sure they're on the right side that yeah. maga flag on the front lawn is a it's big a dead giveaway big dead giveaway so huge giveaway yeah yeah. Um, yeah. So love- that was the advice that they, they left with. Like, find someone who's like, you can find a white person. It, she said it's going to be less likely that you find a white man statistically who's on the right side, who you don't have to explain things to. She's like, the idea that this white boy just magically grew up in a home where race was talked about with such comfort. And she was like, it's just so statistically rare that you're going to find one. But they're out there. Interesting. I I feel very blessed to have found David. Now, yeah, David are. is white, <laughs> but he's Jewish. And Thanks, so Crystal. it really is different. We always say it as a joke, but he does understand what it is to be under fire. And his, you know, his mother is so incredible, but she holds on to their culture like we cannot lose this. We cannot lose our history. And it's Mm -hmm. something that was taken from us. Um, And so when it comes to family and his culture, I, I just eat it up because we're, we don't have it. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have to work so hard to find our origins. Um, And, and so it's, it's been really cool to have a partner who is willing to do that work because he's already done it for himself in his own situation. And yeah, I have to explain things. I don't have to explain too much, but like certain references, like if there's a Martin reference where all the black people are in the room are laughing and, and David's like, tell me what, what it is. <laughs> and I just am like, okay, I'm gonna give this side conversation run. It's just so you can know, because I want him to be in on it too. Yes, of course. But I kind of like when he's not in on it and I'm like, you don't know what we laughing at, do you? But I love, most right? of the time I do, right? Most of the time say? you do. Most, oh, absolutely. Most of the time you do. Okay. But then there are just sometimes it's just like, this is Black Twitter. This is Black culture. This is the 90s Black culture. Yes. But, you know, he, yeah. he was, he, how old were you in the 90s, babe? 30? Yeah. So, so I, I, there it might have had nothing to do with being Black that I didn't get about references yeah. from your childhood. It's also just, from, we're, because we're so far apart, like he just won't get like you danced to Saved by the Bell the other day. Oh I had no God. idea what was happening. I was rocking <laughs> around the living room to to Saved by the Bell. And I give us a and I give us a I mean, that is my shit. Yes. No idea what that. I have no idea, and still don't. I have no. That's okay. You had your shows like Andy Griffith and (laughs) I I love Lucy. (laughs) 
Okay. Wait, I love Lucy. That's really that's hilarious because I have every episode of I Love Lucy on DVD. I wasn't born in the fifties, almost, but I wasn't quite born in the fifties. I don't yeah, even I know. I was I so excited to see what shows you were gonna say. I couldn't tell you when Andy Griffith's show came out. I watched it. Lassie? Was that too early? Those are a I little. I mean, Andy Griffith. I suppose that you know, was a little when I was very, very little. Very little. But Very. you didn't watch any like black shows, did you, babe? Well, you I mean, watched like the Jeffersons. Yeah, of course, I watched the Jeffersons. I watched uh, um, Cosby. Times, I watched Good Times. I family watched Ties. But I wouldn't have watched Family Ties anyway. Okay. You know. Okay. Um, I mean, there's some shows I just wouldn't watch because they swear, like, you know. Oh, same here. Not great. Just not good. I'm a huge fan of Family Ties. Oh, it's Family Ties. Family Ties family is fine. Matters. Family, family matters. matters. Family Matters. Family Ties, I think I did watch. That was the Alex Keaton. Yeah. I did watch that one. I watched that one too. Um, I didn't get their family, but I watched it. But no, that is not to say there weren't, there, there were shows that I, that would have felt like, oh, this show's not for me. Yeah. And I might have not watched, you know, like probably Living Single and Martin would have fit into those categories. Those would have fit into those categories. Okay. Now I've done it. I'm so happy I set that off. Speaking set it off. Give me the backlighting. Keep your head up, boy. Keep your head up. That's right. Yeah, he doesn't know the purpose, but that's okay. But I see. Here's the thing. So, but I watch you, and I you watch you both, and I think, oh my god, you women are so fierce. Like, <laughs> I don't need to know what that is. You're just so freaking fierce. But you know what else you said, babe? Maybe what I was gonna say. He, oh, sorry, David. He was like, it's endless. Oh, <laughs> I hate you. It's endlessly fascinating to be married to you, is what he said. Because he was like, well, I you're just kind of a unicorn, Brianna. No, no. I feel like anytime it. your name comes up, people are like, oh my God, I love her. Oh, who said that? Well, <laughs> Rachel Flynn and I had very oh. similar reactions about you. I, I understand I those reactions. I would date Rachel. <laughs> I think we all would. I feel, <laughs> I feel safe dating Rachel. I love her. She just texted me the other day. She sends her love, babe. I forgot to tell you. Oh, that's um, No, I, I, I took endlessly fascinating to be like, he keeps learning things about me yeah. and about us. And he feels like he's slowly, it's a slow process, but like the wallpaper's coming down and he's like, oh, I see back here. This is cool. Yeah. I mean, that that's the flip side of the, you know, having to explain things is the being endlessly fascinated by someone because they are different from you mm -hmm. and they have yeah. different experiences. And there's, yeah. I, I will never stop learning from Brianna just because of who she is. We will never get into that thing of just like after four or five years of just like, oh, it's the same fucking day and it's the same person. And I, you know, I, and I, we grew up in the same neighborhood practically or we might as well have. So yeah. there's no discoveries to be had. We're all constantly discovering each other. And I think it's part of what keeps us so, you know, we're just so juiced by each other all the time. And yeah. I think that that's a Ooh, big part okay. of it. Juice, baby. Mm -hmm. Juice. Baby. I will never forget when I took you home to, to meet my family and I have a deaf aunt and uncle and so we were sitting yeah. at the table and I just started signing and, and then he goes and afterwards we walked out and he goes so apparently you know sign language <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, oh yeah I forgot to tell you because there's never a reason for me to sign 
But then I when you go to Cincinnati love... and I'd be in Temple with her and I'd be like singing in Hebrew. Oh and my she's God, like, full out. So she'd be like, oh, well, oh, you sing in Hebrew. Okay, no problem. I but wait, Brie, you never bragged about knowing sign language? No, because I because I don't Ugh. know it as much as I should. I used to know it like I used that was the only way I could communicate. With You're them, a better right? person than me. I'd be like, I know sign language. <laughs> Every day I ask, I speak English. I speak sign language. You know, she knows sign language about as well as I know Hebrew. Put exactly. It so we, we neither one of us by. are bragging. We can get by. I've helped a few people. I'm just saying, <laughs> having grown up in a, with white people everywhere, and everyone was colorblind. I always felt safe with white people. I, that proximity to danger that your grandmother has, which is an incredible way of saying it, because now I think about it and I feel like my grandparents and aunts and uncles, like they had that too. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any of that. I mm-hmm. felt safe. I was taken care of. My best friends were white. Their parents loved me. They still do, you yeah. know, and a lot of people, a lot of black folks are very uncomfortable with that. Even folks our age. And yeah. I sometimes feel, can I just say this on the podcast? Sometimes I feel in this black, in our black theater mm-hmm. bubble that sometimes black folks think I'm less black. Do you feel this way? Like I'm less black because I married a white man. So I feel like sometimes they're like, no, we don't want to ask her because her opinion is probably colored with that of a white man's. I think and, I think in that case they're looking for a very specific perspective. Yes, I agree. And that's all it is, is that they want a very specific perspective of whatever it is they're they're asking about. But yeah. I do feel I'm listening to you talk about your proximity to whiteness. Like I'm not friends with my with the people I grew up with. Really? From my hometown. They all voted for Trump. Oh yeah, Texas. <laughs> And I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with it. No, other I don't than say, I don't know what to tell you. you I don't know what, and, and that's kind of where I was. I was like, if they ever want to talk about it, I'll say, I just, it's a lack of safety for me now. Your views are actually like, I don't want to be out in public with you, someone uh-huh. who thinks that race doesn't exist and that people are colorblind. Cause then when something happens to me, where are you going to be? Yeah. You won't even know how to deal with the situation. You have not done the work to understand that there are people walking around with really violent, you know, mindsets. And so I I love that. Hearing that you are still friends with your white girlfriends, I'm like, thank God you were friends with the with good like the right people who understood. You yes. know? Yes. However, sometimes they are very small town, small and not small minded because I But was there's always- a there's a bandwidth for that. Yes. I feel like we exactly. have. Because exactly. we're like, because we're like, people are hearing it now. We're having more conversations. But like, I have friends who won't even, a friend of 11 years looked at me and was just like, I feel like, I feel like your views on race, like I need to help you. And I'm like, girl, you were in a black show with me. What are you talking about? Like, how have you existed in the world of theater with this mindset? So I I I find that my my the the people around me that are that are white are like it's getting less and less because I'm just like I don't have the bandwidth for it. So I certainly don't have the bandwidth for it in you know relationships that are were that are romantic. Mm. You know, if I can't do it in friendships, it's like I don't but once again, that's 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 stuff that we can talk about as black women growing, you know, yes. when we go to when we when we get healing. So 
when I say people are looking for a very specific perspective, it's because you have found a way to coexist. Mm. But I, I, if I may, I, I do think that it is incumbent upon the white person in the situation to do that work, to do that homework in a way as you would do in any relationship with another person that you cared about or you wanted to embark upon something, you know, serious with, you would investigate yeah. what they, wh- where they came from and what that meant and who they were, whether they were, whatever they, whatever, wherever they came from or whatever their, you know, heritage yeah. was, you would investigate that because you were interested <laughs> Bless in them you. and because you wanted to be able to, you wanted to be able to, you know, be in conversation with them. So and if, if you're, and I think the, 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 the many white girlfriends and friends that Brianna has from college and from, you know, from before that, mm-hmm. the, the, the ones who are in her life, I, I see them doing a lot of that work. Oh, God. <clears throat> so many books and even I love you know, that George Floyd happened honey I I said don't call me and then I was like why didn't nobody call me <laughs> <laughs> and they were like we didn't know they they were just like we just need to be told what to do and I said I don't yeah. I can't tell you what to do but you have resources you have lots of white friends and y'all and so they started a book club they're reading all I love these, it it's like really sweet yeah and i love I, that isn't it I, david has this thing of giving grace to each other and yeah it's really true like they've got to give us grace for mm-hmm. this experience this traumatizing experience that has yeah. been and continues to be and then we have to give them grace the space to learn and make mistakes. Yes. Thing. Like we all have to be okay. That's human. That's human. Because right? if there's demonstrable effort involved to mm-hmm. get to the other side, if yeah. you're seeing that those actions being taken yeah. in good faith and with, with full heart, yeah. then, then grace can exist in that space. I agree. And I had white girlfriends who, one who, you know, I had said on, <laughs> I said on social media, like, don't none of y'all call me. I don't want to talk about another. And one of them would text me and she'd be like, okay, I love you. I'm not going to call you, but I am going to continue to text you and tell you how much I love you and how much I'm going to work to be better. And she was consistent for like three or four weeks because I was not giving white people space. I was like, I'm sorry. This is a very traumatizing period. So I needed like a month where I just didn't, but you know, and then I had girlfriends who were reading books. One of them like corrected me on a fact, like about uh, on a year or a date. And I was like, oh. oh my God, you're right. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Like, I appreciate that. Not only have you done the work, it was like a very humble correction. And it was also very much like, there's a lot to take in about black history. There's a lot. That we don't even know. That we are still learning, you know? You so, said 1618, didn't you? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I think I got the dates confused with the Rodney King beatings and uh, I can't remember what you're talking about, but I remember it had to do with those dates. Rodney King was 1993. Look at you. Go in. It's because you know it to the OJ trial, probably. Like, I feel like everybody knows that. I actually lived like two blocks away from from where where that all happened. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I have white girlfriends who are doing the work and it's yeah. really, and gives me hope because I'm like, if my white girlfriends can do the work, maybe there are white men out there who have done the work. And when we go on our first date, like I don't have to explain blackface. <laughs> <laughs> like, I promise you they are. I, I, my friend Johnny, he's like 
tall, white, handsome, all-American guy. And he is so sweet. And I remember about a year or two ago, he said, well, I'm doing this new thing where if I'm at a table with like women of color, I just shut the fuck up. <laughs> it was just like, I just, I, I start to, I, I make it the, the, is my he job. Single? He actually is. Um, <laughs> he was like, I make it my job to listen more than I, I speak. And I said, that is, you need to tell all your white friends to do that. All and he would them. absolutely. All you know? of them. Yeah. Cause you know, I'm David is sometimes guilty of that. He gets off on a subject and I'm like, okay, so you've, you've done all the speaking now and we have no time to hear from the women. When did that happen though? No, it very rarely happens. And today he was like, this is mostly you and Crystal. I'm not saying anything. And (laughs) and I was like, okay, don't do that though. That's overboard. (laughs) I, I love input. I think it, I think the hard part is when men like to interrupt your experience and your knowledge with their confidence you're like wait a minute yes wait a minute i love that you're confident about this (laughs) true it's true david's quiet on that oh my god i i i you know and i think that that's my one of the things i can you know as we're ending i can say like i've been very quiet on social media um more so more so than i was like in the summer okay yes and that's because my rage wasn't always channeled in a productive way and Mm -hmm. so as i'm coming into this time of like stuff's going to open up soon i'm eventually going to be working again it's like how do i walk into these spaces and reframe some of these thoughts so that i can show up and not be on guard all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I realize a lot of it is also work for me as a black woman because I just, I want to be available and I want to be present and I don't, it's just, I realize that, you know, in the midst of us talking about all of this, it it also is a lot of like self-work too, you know? Well, we, we're, like I said, we're responsible for everything. Yeah. And then there's all this work we have to do for ourselves to survive and be like open, generous, loving, you know, yeah. black women. Yeah. Um, By the way, before you get booked for June, just please check with me first. Okay. Here we go. I don't know what to tell you. I'm just <laughs> saying, just please, please check in with me first for you before you commit to anything in June. How dare you? I'm just saying. Listen, I have that proprietary right. I appreciate it. it. I appreciate it. it. Thank you. you. Thank you for still wanting to work with me. Oh, are you kidding? Oh, Crystal, thank you. Guys, this has been such a long stretch of not working. I was on a call with another project, and I can't remember which creative said it, but he was like, wow, I'm really wishing, or he said, I'm really glad we cast so young. So now that there's room, so when we do come back, not everyone's yes. going to be like, you know, in their 40s. Aged out. And oh I'm God. like, I, I'm i grateful you did that as well because, you know. Okay. We're going on two years. Girl, I I cannot believe when we come back really properly next year. Right. Uh, we're all praying for the fall, but properly next year, I will be then we will be solidly on our way to 40 like solidly honey now it's kind of oh i started this pandemic as good like young mid-20s yes 
I'm getting to like my late twenties, early. 30s. Come on, you guys. When this will be over, you'll still be playing teenagers, both of you. Well, Don't I've never you, played teenagers, but Crystalline will. No, I refuse to play anything with a backpack at this point. <laughs> Here we go. That's another interview. That's another Backpack. interview. Backpacks at a school bell. If I if there's a school bell in your show and I'm answering to it, I better be a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. R.I.P. Mean Girls. Well, um, Crystal and Lloyd. We love you so much. You're the I love best. You guys. We thank, just thank you for having me and letting me be so uh candid i'm practicing oh. it in the sense of like oh. you know you don't want to you're learning how to like approach these conversations yeah with a with a good good amount of like transparency you know yes, yes. well come back anytime and bring all your candor with you we love Great. you i'll come back when i'm if i ever date a white man again we'll do like a double date oh, interview special swirl host up i mean i mean if you guys know anyone decent I'm I'm open. I'm looking. I'm single. Anyone wow. listening? I'm single. <laughs> you know, Johnny, DM us. Would, Johnny would not know to what all to do. The chocolate the men. Problem. Oh right, yes, white guys oh, too. Johnny's white, but uh, but oh, yes. Chocolate if there okay. are any chocolate men out there who like to read rap beards, <laughs> find me on Clubhouse. Bye. We hate you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you're the best. I Thank you. you. Thanks for letting me talk to you in my closet. I adore you guys. I love that you closed the door. There's <laughs> no one out there. It's all right, and uh, let's uh, let's all talk soon. IRL. Okay. All right. All right. We will in real yeah. life. Yeah. yeah. Got it. All right. Okay. This is sign language for I love you. Love you. Live long and prosper. May the force be with you. May the force be with you. Bye. Oh, I end this. Do I end it? Or um, do we yeah. No, you got to end it, Bree. Oh, okay. We love you. Bye. <laughs> and we're back oh my god crystalline that was amazing she's amazing we love you crystalline Didn't we love that having a broadway star sit and talk about their experience with dating and love and different types of men and this is a very interesting subject because I hate to say it, but I watched The Bachelor. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm putting it out there. Do it. I'm a trash, a piece of trash, mm. and I watch The Bachelor <laughs> and Big Brother. You do. Religiously. Um, I'm much more addicted to Big Brother, and I've got David on Big Brother, too. Awful. But The Bachelor right now, it's the first black bachelor. Now, he is technically biracial, but look, to me, if you are half black, you're black. That's how you identify. He walks around in this world. People see him and they go, that's a black man. They don't see him and go, oh, I wonder if his mother's white. That's not a thing. So I have been watching and apparently there's this whole thing going down with, I don't know what Chris Harrison said. I got to find out. I got to actually find out the information from my friend Emma because she's like really good at this stuff. But um, there's a lot of race talk going on because mm. he's dating. This is how it always is. Rachel did the same thing. They date different types of people and... You know, middle America, where I'm from, people who are watching The Bachelor, they may not be as used to, to watching sure. black men date, you know, white women, sure. black women, Latina women, European women, like, you know, and and vice versa. They're really not used to seeing a black woman date all different types of men. Yeah. Um, and Ra uh, Rachel Lindsay, I believe, she kind of set the the path for them with this and now it's the first black man and it's just very very exciting oh. but i think a really it's a cool topic because 
there's a lot of old historical boundaries that we put on ourselves and not to mention the ones that we put on ourselves in 2021. Um, of course, it's all generational and it's all learned. But, you know, I think it's really cool to sort of dissect and figure out how we all feel about that kind of thing, especially since David and I are together and we're navigating it. And, and we're navigating it beautifully because David is super open and communicative and really actually exposed to all different types of people from a really young age. So I don't have to teach him about basics, but you know, there are things like, what have you learned? You've learned all about hair extensions, which true. But I, but again, I was like, I was in the theater the first weekend that good hair came out. So like, I have right. always been, you know, he's just thirsty. He's yeah. yeah you love black folks. I love black women. We've, <laughs> we've discussed that, but not in a fetish way, but not um, in a fetish way. No, it was, it was like, just, you know, I identified with what they identified with. Yeah. And so I wanted to learn more. Yeah. So I just, I thought that was a really cool conversation to have. And if you guys want to see um, Crystalline when this all comes back, I believe there's a show that she's a part of called Bliss, which will hopefully be coming to New York. Um, I think she's like a superhero in it. So in addition to the superhero that she is in daily life. So a lookout for Crystalina. Of course, she's probably going to be on television at some point too. And if you ever hear of a show of mine coming out called Fallout, there's a role she, in that yes. that I've basically written for her. Yes. Not me. So don't worry about that. <laughs> that's another show, babe. That's, I guess that's another show. But you're, you're, you, you, another you wrote show. that for someone else. So that's, okay. it's not really it's, for me. I'm, I'm really... still waiting on my credit. Okay. It's, there's going to be so fine. many, babe. You're going to be sick of it. Yeah, that's what I thought five years ago. But... <laughs> We're still waiting. It's going to be fine. All right, babe. Uh, that was a great episode. I loved episode one of season two. So uh, do you have any orders of business or do we go straight to uh, straight to the finale? I think go straight to the finale. So it's a love theme this week. And in honor of our love theme this week, we're going to bring back something that y'all haven't heard unless you were at our wedding. And so if you were most, at our wedding, then you heard this. Then you heard this, and you'll have to sit through it again. It was uh, read at our wedding uh, by the great uh, Allison Blackwell, um, who, had it been on television, would have definitely been nominated <laughs> for definitely an Emmy. Nominated for an Emmy. But actually, uh, after she read it, our our uh, officiant. officiant said, "Oh, a Tony nomination at least," <laughs> which made the whole wedding party laugh. We had a lot of laughter at our wedding. It was perfect. Um, Okay, so this piece is from, it's just an excerpt from The Invitation by the poet Oriah. It doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for and if you dare to dream of meeting your heart's longing. It doesn't interest me how old you are. I want to know if you will risk looking like a fool for love, for your dream, for the adventure of being alive. It doesn't interest me what planets are squaring with your moon. I want to know if you have touched the center of your own sorrow, if you have been opened by life's betrayals or have become shriveled and closed from fear of further pain. I want to know if you can sit with pain, mine or your own, without moving to hide it or fade it or fix it. I want to know if you can be with joy, mine or your own, if you can dance with wildness and let the ecstasy fill you to the tips of your fingers and toes without cautioning us to be careful, to be realistic, to remember the limitations of being human. I want to know if you can disappoint another to be true to yourself, 
if you can bear the accusation of betrayal and not betray your own soul, if you can be faithless and therefore trustworthy. I want to know if you can see beauty even when it's not pretty every day and if you can source your own life from its presence. I want to know if you can live with failure, yours or mine, and will stand on the edge of the lake and shout to the silver of the moon, yes. It doesn't interest me to know where you live or how much money you have. I want to know if you can get up after the night of grief and despair, weary and bruised to the bone and do what needs to be done to feed the children. It doesn't interest me who you know or how you came to be here. I want to know if you will stand alone on the center of the fire with me and not shrink back. And scene. The Swirl with Bree and Dave was created using Anchor, and you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to go there and rate, uh-huh. review, go ahead. and subscribe. Well, if you'd like to follow us on social media, I'm Brianna Marie, and he's Dave Lyrics. Music for this podcast was written by Bo Black. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time on The The Swirl. Swirl.